Well, this morning we are continuing our series on spiritual formation. The word spiritual formation may be a big word, but it simply means Christ be formed in you. Uh, we are looking at the fact that as a Christian, we need Christ to be formed in us. And we have been studying the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. And this morning, we are down to seventh of our Beatitudes called, Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Or another version is called, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Sons of God. The Beatitude is almost like a blueprint of what a Christian look like. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we call ourselves followers of Christ, then Christ needs to be formed in us. We should display certain virtues and certain characters, and it all spell out in the Beatitudes. Many years ago, uh, the Irish rock group, U2, wrote a song called Peace on Earth. And the words goes like this, Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all of this hanging around. Sick of sorrow, sick of the pain. I'm sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Where I grew up, there weren't many trees. Where there was, we'll tear them down and use them on our enemies. They say that what you mock will surely overtake you. And you become a monster. So the monster will not break you. And it's already gone too far. Who said that if you go in hard, you won't get hurt? Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth. No who's or why's. No one cries like a mother cries. For peace on earth, she never got to say goodbye. To see the color in his eyes, now he's in the dirt, peace on earth. They are reading names out over the radio. All the folks, the rest of us won't get to know. Sean and Julia, Garrett, Anne and Bretta. Their lives are bigger than any big idea. Jesus, can you please take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas time. But hope and history weren't rhymed. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? Peace on earth. Peace on earth. James chapter 4 says that where, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? Let me read to you another version here, New Jerusalem. Say, where do these wars and battles between yourself first start? Is it not precisely in the desires fighting inside your own selves? You want something and you lack it, so you kill. You have an ambition that you cannot satisfy, so you fight to get your way by force. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. 
To be a peacemaker, we need to have peace ourselves first. Without that, we cannot be a peacemaker. You always start with peace with God. You need to make peace with God first, and then you can experience the peace of God. Then you can be a peacemaker. Peace with God, peace of God, and then you can be a peacemaker. You can never be a peacemaker if you have ne never made peace with God. Maybe you can be a peacekeeper. Maybe you can be a peacebreaker. Maybe you can be a peace fakers, but you can never be a peacemaker if you have never truly experienced making peace with God. Then you experience the peace of God. And then out of that peace that you have in your heart, then you can truly be a peacemaker. So peacemakers are for Christians. You can be a peacemaker. It is not UN convoy or anybody who signed treaty in Jerusalem or with you know, all kinds of peace treaty that people have signed. Peacemakers are for Christians because you truly have made peace with God. Albert Einstein, who won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1921, 100 years ago, and whose theory of relativity has revolutionized man's thinking about the nature of time and space. He made this comment. He said, it is not a physical problem, but an ethical one. What terrifies us is not the explosive force of the atomic bomb, but the power of the wickedness of the human heart. It explosive power for evil. And so we have to experience the peace of God because the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And once the heart is settled, once you come before God and say, Lord, I can't make it. I'm poor in spirit. I'm spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually zero, spiritually inadequate. And God said, well, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. You mourn about your sin. And Jesus said, you'll be comforted. And you'll be meek, for you will inherit the earth. You hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And then it began to flow outward. You begin to be merciful, for you will be shown mercy. And you'll be, be pure in heart. Pursuing, single goal, pure, single-mindedness of God. And then you will be a peacemaker. If you read all of Paul's letters, Paul wrote 14 letters, sorry, 13 letters in New Testament. There are 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them. And he always begins with a salute. You know what is a salute? He always read it. You read it in Romans, you read in Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, you read all of Paul's letter. It always begins with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It always begins with grace to you and then peace from God. You will never find the order reversed to peace first and then grace. It is always grace first and then peace. Grace always comes before peace. We have to experience the grace of God before we can experience the peace of God. We have to come into relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, before we can be purveyors of peace to others. 
We have to know peace ourselves before we can make peace in our relationships. In other words, we can't make peace if we don't have peace. So you have to make peace with God. And then you experience the peace of God. And then you can be a real peacemaker. Howard has already highlighted briefly of what peacemaking is not. Peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. Peace in the Bible is never to be confused with pacifism. It is not about the absence of conflict. I'm going to show you later on. Peacemaking is also not avoidance of strife, as a peacemaker is commonly supposed to be. The kind of person who is easygoing, who doesn't care about anyone else does, as long as it doesn't directly affect him, that is being indifferent, not peacemaking. Eli Weiser, as I mentioned last week or the week before in my sermon, Eli Weiser, or rather last uh, Good Friday, uh, he said that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is actually indifference. Whatever goes, you know. That is the worst form of sin, if there is a category of sin at all, is indifference. So, so peacemaking is not avoidance of strife. It's not. It's not about being tolerant as the way postmodernists define po- uh, tolerance. I find that the word tolerance, such beautiful words that loaded with beautiful virtues, have practically emptied it in the postmodern society that we live in. Uh, the way we define of, uh, tolerance, meaning to say, you do whatever you want, I do whatever you want, let's not just matter with it, just keep in peace with everybody. That is, that is not tolerance, that is indifference. Tolerance to me, the beautiful virtue is I can passionately disagree with everything you said, but I still love you. That is stretching the moral virtue in the word tolerance. Maximize it that I completely disagree with you, but I still love you passionately. That is tolerance. You are maximizing the moral virtues in that words. Is the meaning of tolerance. Not about you do whatever you want, I do whatever you want, we just don't bother, we agree to disagree, you know. That is not tolerance. So, and also, tolerance is, uh, peacemaking is also not appeasement of parties. Peacemaking is not an appeaser, the kind who wants peace at any price. Appeasement doesn't make for peace. It just puts off the conflict. The true peacemaker, contrary to what most people think, is one who is not afraid of making waves. And we're going to come to that. So peacemaking is not about the absence of conflict. It is not avoidance of strife. It is not the appeasement of parties. Peacemaker, peacemakers are a very different kind of people. They are different to peacebreakers because they set a guard on their tongue at all times. They think before they speak. They are not confrontive just for the sake of it. They don't have to give their opinion all the time. And they are able to walk away quietly and avoid a conflict when the situation calls for it. I'm going to balance it up later on. They are different to peace fakers. 
because they are prepared to tell the truth and they trust God for the outcome in order to have peace that is worthwhile and lasting. They want real peace by resolving the cause of the conflict. They go to the real heart of the issue of solving it so the true peace can prevail. They're not peace fakers, just pretending that there is peace. In reality, the heart is always boiling and at any time, the resentment, the bitterness, all will flow out because you haven't deal with the heart of the issue. The word peace in Hebrew, as we often know, is shalom, or in Arabic, is walakum. Walakum. It's much more than the absence of conflict. When two Jews meet each other or part from each other, they say shalom, peace. But they mean much more than may you have no battles, may you have no fights. It means welfare. It means serenity, fulfillment, freedom from trouble and liberation from anything which hinders contentment. When Jews say shalom, they were wishing on another the full presence, peace, and prosperity of all the blessedness of God. It is a desire for all the goodness that God can give, a total well-being and heart and body. And that is why the ironic blessing in Numbers chapter 6, beautiful, said, the Lord bless you, the Lord protect you, the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. And that is the true meaning of peace. Peace is a positive force. It is not negatively defined, absence of conflict, avoidance of strife, appeasement of party. It is a positive force. It signifies the presence of all that is good and wonderful. It bears the idea of wholeness and overall well-being of a person. And so peace is a creative force. A peacemaker is a person who releases this creative force to change his world. And so therefore, God's peace is not narrowly defined. It is much more than the absence of conflict or strife. It encompasses all of a person. The word maker is important. Peacemaker. The second half of the word maker demands that we understand that the person who is a peacemaker is not passive, but is a source of peace. Maker. You make a cake. You make it happen. It's not passive. You have to take some action for that to prevail. It is a dynamic word bursting with energy. Jesus did not say, blessed are the peace wishers or the peace hopers or the peace dreamers or the peace lovers or the peace talkers. Peace must be made. Peace never happens by chance. A peacemaker is never passive. They always take the initiative. They are up and doing, reconciling man to God and reconciling man to man. That is peacemaking. Reconciling man to God 
and reconciling men to men. That is your ministry. We're going to come to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That is the ministry of reconciliation that God has entrusted to us as believers. So you think that you can't do anything? That is your ministry. Reconciling men to God, reconciling men to men. What then is peacemaker like? The idea of being a peacemaker is an active one, not a passive one. It is not that the person passively and peacefully does nothing. The idea is rather that the person actively goes out of his way to bring reconciliation and harmony. He or she does whatever needs to be done as much as it lies within their powers to bring reconciliation. So when the two words are taken together, peacemaker, it describes one who actively pursues peace. The peacemaker pursues more than the absence of conflict. They don't avoid strife. In fact, sometimes peacemaking will create strife. They aren't merely seeking to appease the warring parties. They aren't trying to accommodate everyone. Instead, they are pursuing all the beauty and blessedness of God upon another. As William Buckley, the Scottish commentator, says, they are people who produce right relationships in every sphere of life. So let me, with the remaining time that I have, give you three characteristics of a peacemaker. Give you three characteristics of a peacemaker because it's about building bridges, reconciling God to man, reconciling man to man, reconciling husband and wife, parents and children, siblings. This is our ministry, reconciling people. Be the bridge builder. Stand in the bridge and reconcile people. So let me give you three characteristics of a peacemaker. The peacemaker, first and foremost, is honest. It is characterized by honesty. If there is a problem, he admits it. Like the prophet, Ezekiel warning against those who act as if all is well when it is not. Ezekiel chapter 13 says this, Because they lead my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace, and because they, and when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones, hurling down and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where is the whitewash you cover it with? They are merely plastering over cracked walls. The plaster obscures the crack, but when the rain comes, the true state of the walls is revealed and the walls crumble. You say peace, your peace 
where there's actually no peace. And Jeremiah said the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 6, employing similar phrasing. Put it this way, they address the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. But the true peacemaker doesn't do this. He is painfully honest about the true status of relationship in the world, in the society in which he moves, and in his own personal dealing. He admits failed relationships. He admits that he is at odds with others if it is so. He honestly acknowledges tension if others have something against him. He does not pretend. He refuses to say peace, peace, when there is no peace. The true peacemaker is characterized with honesty because you want to be right before God. Because there's a higher standard that you want to appeal to, the standard that no man can see other than God. But self-deception is something that we are pretty much accustomed to because honesty requires courage. True change always requires courage to look deep about who you are. And self-deception is terrible. Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote a book called Honesty. And he said, when we lie to ourselves and believe our own lies, and we call it justifying it, we become unable to recognize truth either in ourselves or in anyone else. And we end up losing respect for ourselves and for others. And when we have no respect for anyone, we can no longer love. And in order to divert ourselves having no love in us, we yield to our impulses, indulge in the lowest forms of pleasure, and behave in the end like an animal in satisfying our own vices. And it all comes from lying. Lying to others and lying to ourselves. And so that is why the Beatitude begins with the real honesty. The blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said, well, you are blessed when you are able to come before me and acknowledge that spiritually you are bankrupt. You need to come to God that way. Then and only Jesus can say, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Don't kid yourself. Don't lie yourself. You can make it because the standard is far too high. The standard is far too high. Not just only the external action, but inner being, our thoughts, our whole being is slanted towards sinning because we are fallen creatures. So the peacemaker, first and foremost, is characterized with honesty. Secondly, peacemaker is willing to take risk. Or peacemaker is willing to risk pain. For the peace of God is not peace at any price. He made peace with us at immense cost even at the price of the life blood of His only Son. And we too, though in our lesser ways, 
will find peacemaking a costly enterprise. I mean, we all know Bonhoeffer uh, popularized the phrase cheap grace. And I think there is such a thing as cheap peace as well. Peacemaking is messy, it is wrenching work, it takes time, and it takes a lot of emotional energy. It is like crossing a fast-moving creek on slippery rocks. The journey is needed, the work is risky, and sometimes you fall. You get bruised, and sometimes you don't make it across the stream. That's the reality. Sometimes peacemaking doesn't work. And that is why Paul says, if it is possible, thank God for that phrase, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, implying that sometimes it is not possible. Sometimes it is just not possible. Sometimes peace isn't possible. There are those who are uh, kind of cantankerous types who just go through life picking fights with everyone they meet. They are master movie producer. You know, you know who is a master movie producer? They dream of a scenario and they're beginning to join dots. This person say this, that person say this, and then you form, you produce a beautiful movies in your mind. Joining dots. So you can't always live at peace with people like that. And therefore, Paul was very realistic by saying, as far as it depends on you. I mean, the hallmark of a Christian, to me, is the ability to get along with other people. The testimony of a church is its ability to get along with other people. We have a God-driven, scripturally directed responsibility to pursue peace. Not peace at all costs, but peace. The apostle declared in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, God has called you to peace. Does that mean we agree with everything others say or do? Of course not. Sometimes we agree to disagree, agreeably. God wants His children to be bridge builders. And the question is, what can you and I do to build those bridges of peace? What steps, what methods can we employ to actively reconcile people to God and to one another? Peace. The hallmark of Christian is the ability to get along with other people. Many examples could be given of peace through pain. Anytime we attempt to bring peace personally or societally, we necessarily risk misunderstanding and failure. If we have involved in a quarrel, there is the pain of apologizing, say sorry. Did you realize that nowadays we don't even say sorry? Nowadays we say, if I have offended you, I apologize. If I have offended you. We don't even use the word sorry anymore. Because there's always a way to justify why you are not wrong. Sometimes even I'm not necessarily wrong, I say sorry. Because when you really think about it, 
you do say you you do you do in some sense are wrong. And in any case, the peacemaker has to be willing to risk it, risk pain, risk reputation. The temptation is to let things slide and to become a peace fakers rather than a peacemaker. It is easy to rationalize that trying to bring peace will only make things worse. Sometimes it's true. These two qualities of a peacemaker, honesty about the true status of peace and the willingness to risk pain in pursuing peace, beautifully anticipate to me the next quality, which is a paradox. Peacemaker is a fighter. Peacemaker is a fighter. He makes trouble to make peace. He wages peace. He is not willing to settle for cheap peace, which can be bought by cheap forgiveness. But true peace and true forgiveness are costly treasures. God forgives us only when we repent. And Jesus told us to do the same. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, you must forgive him. Peacemaker is a fighter in no way. Let me just qualify that. In no way justify violence. We're not talking about crusade and, and that kind of approach. Rather, his personality must be permeated with the shalom of God. He is gentle, as James wrote. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The peacemaker is positive. He is tolerant in the best sense of the word. He realizes we are all of fallen stock and so does not demand perfection of others. He is humble, his ego is in hand, and he is loving. And so, peacemaker is a fighter in that sense. Look at what uh, Paul says here. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. It's very active. Make every effort. Do all you can to pursue peace peace, and keep unity. Do all you can. And then again in Romans chapter 14, 19, he says that again. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do every effort. Give every ounce of your energy to do what leads to peace, to preserve unity and harmony so that as a community you shine. Even without words, it shines. I may have shared this before. I can't remember. Sometimes, Pastor, we, we talk so much, we, we can't remember which platform we share, uh, whether it's in a small group or whatever. So if I have said this before, please pardon me. I used to have a friend who, uh, who, works, I mean, who lives in Cameron Highland in, in Malaysia. She, uh, she, she grew up raised by parents who were both dumb. And I often wonder, how is it possible to raise children when both parents are dumb? And she turned out to be a beautiful, godly Christian. Now is a missionary in the Philippines. 
And I, I asked her once, I said, how are you? She said, well, just their action, their love. Sometimes dumb parents raise up better kids without talking, just with your action, with your life. Sometimes words make it worse because our hearts are not at peace. Therefore, the words come out are also very, very potent in a sense. So we make every effort to do what leads to peace, Paul said. And then again, in Romans chapter 12, we just read the verse just now, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How beautiful true peacemakers are. Filled with peace themselves, they are honest about the state of their relationship around them, whether personal or in church or in the world. They are honest about what is in their own hearts and they are sensitive to what, where others are. They refuse to be satisfied with cheap peace, to say peace, peace, where there is none. They are willing to risk pain and misunderstanding to make things right. Peacemakers will even fight for peace. Peacemakers are prepared to put others' well-being above their own comfort level. So those are the three characteristics of a peacemaker. And then Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, I prefer this version, sons of God, rather than the children of God. Of course, now we live in an age where uh, gender neutral and all that, and therefore many versions of the Bible try to use gender neutral words. Um, so if you have an NIV 1984, keep them. Don't chuck it away. Don't give it to Salvos. 2011 versions are different from 1984. I still have NIV 1984. Sons of God. Uh, why I prefer sons of God rather than children of God? Because there's a slight difference on the meaning of sons of God and children of God. Of God. The difference is slight but significant. You see, in Jewish thought, son often bears the meaning of character, partaking the character of. So when we say Jesus is the sons of God, we are saying that Jesus partake the character of God. When we say that Jesus is son of man, we are saying that Jesus partaking the humanity side of God. So when, when someone says that you are a son of a, you fill in your own blank, it's not describing that your mother or your father is dead. It's that you're displaying the character of that. Whereas children of God display position, sons of God display character. And so here, Jesus is saying, you are a peacemaker because you are called the sons of God. You partake the character of God as a peacemaker reconciling the world to himself. That you reflect, just that Jesus reflects his heavenly Father, wonderful peacemaking character, as such they are blessed because they have the character of a king. They are peacemaker. So blessed are the peacemaker, for they will be called sons of God. You partake the character of God. The opposite must be pointed out as well. 
that the opposite of peacemakers is troublemakers. Troublemakers are mean-spirited, stirring up strife, creating conflict. Ken Hughes, a uh, commentator, says, if we are not peacemakers, but instead are troublemakers, which is describing Christians, there is every likelihood that we are not true children of God. Notice his word choice, all right? Troublemakers definitely are not bearing the characters of Jesus. In fact, Hughes questioned their position in the family of God. Peacemakers are sometimes troublemakers to bring peace. But troublemakers make trouble for the sake of trouble. So if our character is such that we spread rumors and gossip about others, if we are constantly creating discontentment, if we find joy in the report of trouble and scandal, if we are omnicritical, always fault-finding, if we are unwilling to be involved in peacemaking, if we are mean, if these negative characterize, these negative qualities character, characterize our lives, then there is a good chance that you are not a follower of Christ. Notice I did not say, please don't quote me wrongly, notice I did not say if we fall into these things or are struggling to control them, but rather if these elements are part of your character. We fall, we are weak, we try to gain over that. That is different from that being part of your character. True children of God are not troublemakers. I mean, those are sobering words. But the good news of the gospel is that a troublemaker can become a peacemaker. And my experience with troublemakers is that they are creating conflict in their external world because they have internal strife. And they have to get that right first. They must change to experience the reward and benefit of these beautiful realities. Do you want to see a miracle? Take a seed, a size of a freckle. Put it under several inches of dirt. Give it enough water light, and fertilizer, and get ready. A mountain will be moved. It doesn't matter what the ground is, a zillion times the weight of the seed. The seed will push back. Never underestimate the power of of a seed. And that is why James used this analogy. James said, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. 
sow peace in people's lives. And you will reap a harvest of righteousness. Never underestimate the power of a seed. Go. This is where my conclusion is. Go. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is your ministry. Paul says, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. How good are you in sowing seed of peace? Well, you may not be caught, off, caught on to what of international conflict, but you will have opportunities to do something more vital to bring inner peace to troubled hearts. Jesus models this. Did you realize Jesus never do all these things? We don't see him settling many disputes or negotiating conflicts, but we see him cultivating inward harmony through acts of love. Washing the feet of the man he knew would betray him, having lunch with corrupt tax officials, honoring the sinful woman whom society has scorned. He built bridges by healing hurts. He prevented conflict by touching the interior. He cultivated harmony by sowing seeds of peace in fertile hearts. So you want to see a miracle? Plant a word of love heart deep in a person's heart and then you nurture it with a smile and a prayer and watch what happens. And watch what happens. I see that happening a couple of weeks ago when someone, one evening, I went to pick up lots of bread from a friend who collected from Baker's Delight. And it was night, about five, five o'clock, and the sun still bright. I was driving back outside my house, all in my boot, filled with bread, and still people walking past. I said, do you want bread? Do you want bread? Do you want bread? Come on, grab, grab, hot cross bun. Here, this, choose. I don't even know who they are. They're just walking past my house. And then suddenly, my neighbor start mowing my lawn. Someone knocked on my door and gave me organic apples. Strange things happened. Maybe we can do... You are a peacemaker. Peacemaker. Let me close with this. About 700 years ago, a remarkable man was born. Although he was son of an Italian cloth merchant and destined to be a knight, he forsook the path of wealth and fame, choosing instead to wear a ragged cloak tied with a rope borrowed from a scarecrow. He spent his days preaching and giving to others. He chose to live in utter poverty. History records that he was a noble man. He was a kind, a humble, Christ-like man. One of the greatest Christians who ever lived. 
And we know him today as St. Francis of Assisi. And centuries after his death, someone translated one of his prayers into English, and it was later set into music that many of us are familiar with. And it's called, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And we're going to close with these beautiful hymns. Let me just say a simple word of prayer, and I'll invite you to stand and close with these beautiful hymns. Lord, this is our prayer to you this morning. Uh, make us a channel of your peace. So seed, Lord, just small seed like a freckle, and it will move mountains. We may not get to see it, but someday it will happen. Thank you, Lord. You are our peace. When we make peace with you, we will experience your peace. And when we experience your peace, we can be a true peacemaker. Reconciling men to God and reconciling men to men. There's too many broken relationships around us. Help us to be a true peacemaker. Sowing seed of peace. Bring harmony to lives and experience true peace from you. Thank you, Lord. This is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we uh, close this morning's service with these beautiful hymns. Make me a channel of your peace.